1: Schedule your free product tour right now at NetSuite.com slash info. NetSuite.com slash info. Today on the ZabeCast, the return of the Pope, Mike Francesa, to WFN, tells you all you need to know about the business of radio that I'm in. Bob and Brian join me to talk golf course rage, slow play, and the latest possible racial kerfuffle. And if you think credit scores are mean in America, well, China is taking it to a whole new level. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Here we go Wednesday, April 25th 2018. Thank you for tuning in. Bob and Brian, my older brothers from other mothers, join me today. We talk about slow play on the golf course. And the police call for a 5 sum of African-American ladies at a private club. Hmm. Bad look for sure, but could there be more to it? Plus the story of when I myself went to the Popo after an incident on a golf course many, many, many years ago. Seemingly different lifetime when I lived in Chicago. That plus other cases of extreme golf course violence and rage. But before we do that, a couple of things. Let's start with Mike Francesa. Mike Francesa is apparently heading back to WFAN after all of three and a half months of, quote, retirement. Wow. This is a cave job on both ends, both on Francesa's end and on WFAN's end of it. And if you're Rob, not Rob Carlin, Chris Carlin, Maggie Gray, and Bart Scott, you've got to be feeling like, really? Really, you gave us three months, and that's it. No further backing than three months. And because there was a little dip in the ratings, which you had to know there would be, after a 25-plus year, 35-plus year fixture in New York City sports radio would leave, and that's it. Great, thanks a lot. The rumor is they're going to move that show to the middays, and then Francesa slides back in a maybe a shorter run of hours, not five hours, but maybe three, four hours in the afternoon. And guess what? It may be the absolute right thing to do. I, I would assume Francesa reduced his asking price quite a bit because I think he got done with his three-month non-compete and then realized there wasn't a lot of demand for him anywhere else. Like, he probably thought, I'm, I'm the Pope. People are going to be clamoring after me. And he found out, like I've found out, there's a lot of people out there. Landscape is changing. You're not as big a shot as you think you are anywhere else. You are great for what you do, which is to be the arrogant, condescending sports pope in New York City. And you know you don't have to be right at all. In fact, sometimes the wronger you are about certain guys and things and players, it's even better. It's funny. Like on the Shohei Otani takes, which he was hilariously wrong about. But yeah, he uh, spent a year saying, I'm not coming back. That's it, I'm retiring. I don't want to do it. I want to go out on top. It's over. And so, they li- big lead up, three and a half month goodbye. Big old extravaganza. Name the studio after him. Steps away, talks about how he's excited to go into a next phase of his career and everything else. And then three and a half months later, now, coming back to the fan. And the fan, because they're panicking, they're like, yeah, this this show we put together kind of sucks. Maybe we should just pretend like this didn't happen. As messed up as this is, as dysfunctional as this is, it's actually when a station admits, like, God, we fucked up, let's change this, and they do it quick, it's a lot better than if they dig their heels in and stick their head in the sand and go into denial. I know this because there was a couple of episodes that, my station currently, with long since gone management, really under different ownership of the signal that were complete and utter disastrous. In fact, once upon a time, they moved John Thompson into the afternoons on Sports Talk 980 at the time. Andy and I had done afternoon drive and they moved us to the uh, late mornings. And much like, I guess, Carlin Gray and Bart Scott, their contract calls for a window of, you can, you know, that's been the case in my contracts that you don't have absolute time slot authority. They say, you know, management reserves the right to move you anytime between like 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. So they they can do that. You're not going to stick you overnights or weekends, but there's at least some flexibility. And that was the case in my deal. And so Andy and I just had to eat it as Coach Thompson and his show was put into afternoon drive. Oh, Andy would remember this when I talked to him next, you know, by someone at the time, some programmer, someone in management who thought, you know what? No, he'll do just fine in the afternoons. Well, sure enough, it was too much of a shock to the system. Uh, Coach had his audience. We had our audience. And the change was like, you know, they made it over the summer. I think they made it in June. And then by the time football season was coming around, Andy went into management and said, please, please. Change this back before football, and we'll minimize the damage. In fact, I bet a lot of people won't even know that there was a change because people tune out of sports radio in the summer, and for good fucking reason, there's nothing going on. They said, nope, no, we're going to stick with it. We're going to stick with it. I forget how much longer they stuck with it, but it was a disaster. And then they finally put us back in afternoon drive, but we had to spend time going back to collect our audience again cuz they had chased away a lot of the audience. Meanwhile, you know, we have bonus clauses written into our deal and you're just sitting there you're shaking your head. It's enough to drive you crazy. You, you just you can't you can't internalize it too much. You can't get too wrapped up over it. But yeah, it pissed us off. And there was basically nothing I could do. I mean, I could have I could have said I quit, but I mean, I was under contract. My contract did say that they had the right to move me to mornings with Andy. So, what am I going to do? And that's the case in, in a lot of radio situations. So obviously, Carlin, Gray, and Scott were so happy to get the gig, they didn't like argue for or didn't have strong enough uh, agents to say, hey, if you're going to give us the gig, in case you decide you've got buyer's remorse, guaranteed money, all up not up front, but guaranteed, super guaranteed money in radio, which is hard to get, and no time slot change whatsoever. Like, I would have, ideally, if the agents could have pushed for it, and I'm sure they couldn't because these three jabrones, radio jabrones, who filled in for the Pope, who stepped in, they didn't have the clout to do it. But the ideal thing would be to say, look, if you break up the show, if you get rid of any of us three, if you change time slots, even by an hour, then guess what? Whole contract converts guaranteed money. Give me the money and I'll go somewhere else. That'd be nice if you could get that in radio, but it's very hard to do. In fact, I'm sure Francesa was frustrated that he couldn't get the raise that he thought he should have gotten, and that's why he basically said, that's it, I'm retiring, I'm going to walk out of here. There's a money play. He still wants to be on the air, and he's going to be back on the air. So you have that. Meek Mill, released from prison. That's the other story that uh, made a brief splash in the afternoon, maybe more than a brief splash. Helicoptered to the Sixers game was... Um, Picked up by the one of the Sixers' new owners, young white billionaire owner, and icon of Philadelphia, South Philadelphia, and apparently very well liked. And I know that Rob Kraft, uh, uh, Rob Kraft, Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft, New England Patriots, had visited Meek Mill in prison, and the Supreme Court decided that he was unjustly put back in jail or prison after numerous parole violations by perhaps an overzealous judge. And now he's out and ESPN gave it full breaking news coverage as if like, so wait, what's this story again? Well, so he's a rapper and he's violated his parole and he was in jail, prison, and now he's out and he's going to the Sixers game. Okay, but is he, is his brother on the Sixers team? No, just a fan. Okay, so what other fans are going to the game that maybe didn't just get out of prison this afternoon? Oh, we don't know, but Meek Mill's famous. He's a rapper, and so, yeah, cross-promotion, and boom. Let's get a chopper in the air and follow Meek Mill returning to civilian life and to go to a Sixers game. All I can say is, boy, oh, boy, there's a lot of people invested in Meek Mill's future as an upstanding law-abiding... Citizen, who is still on probation, I believe, despite being out of jail, that, boy, wouldn't those people feel stupid if Meek Mill gets in trouble again, like real trouble? And would their tune change if he did something? Because he went to jail originally, Meek Mill, on a weapons violation, a weapons charge, and then just did one dumb thing thing after another uh to to violate his probation according to the judge and the judge was sick of it there were small things granted but it was like repeatedly and she was like that's it you're not you're not taking this seriously get in prison so anyway what if meek mill were to touch the third rail of current public celebrity life and commit an act of domestic violence oh boy then ESPN might say we're not going to cover this guy as if he's some legitimate super fan that deserves sportsy coverage just because he likes a professional team. I don't know. I wish Meek Mill the best. Uh, Get that new album out. I will definitely buy at least a copy, two copies. One copy for me, one copy for my mom, and we'll go from there. One more thing. David Faraday took to Twitter to complain about Airlines mistreating him. An airline. In fact, American airlines. Oh, how I love it when celebrities, quasi-celebrities, non-celebrities who think they're celebrities, go on Twitter to bitch about inconveniences while flying. Quickly checks his own timeline. Have I done this myself? Eh, maybe I have. Maybe I have. It's easy to do if... You have any following whatsoever on Twitter to bitch about stuff that drives you crazy because, you know, flying is a stressful, tiresome, cramped, inhuman, frustrating endeavor. And I don't fly very much every year, but guys like David Faraday fly a ton. And so if you fly a ton, you're just constantly worn down by the bullshit the airlines put you through. So I get all that. But at the same time, what are your expectations? Are people being realistic about okay, I've had one awful experience flying, but guess what? I have also flown many, 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 many times where it went completely uneventful and very smoothly. And I was treated great. I think we as humans tend to discount that and we're expecting a level of perfection that is unattainable. Now, there is also an expectation that the employees should treat you better at certain airlines. There's there, there's a lot of room for improvement there. Some airlines are a lot better, like Southwest. Southwest, is, I think, is known for having the friendliest employees and the best customer relations in all of air travel. It's, I think, why they have the heart as their symbol, as one of their icons that you see everywhere, that they're human beings, with a heart and so that when shit goes down and goes wrong they're going to help you with as much of a smile and empathy as possible. Other older airlines with a lot of unionized labor force, gate attendants, flight attendants, pilots, etc. And I don't know the union I don't know the union status of other airlines. I think Southwest is not but I'm not sure. And I'm not anti-union. I'm in a union. So back off on that one. Good old AFTRA. But the older airlines, with some of the more veteran employees, are more jaded and cynical about you know this career they chose. Because guess what? They are dealing with 98.2% wonderful, realistic, civilized human beings every single day. But the 1.8% of assholes, drunks, psychopaths, that might only equate to one or two people a flight. But if it's one or two people a flight... Every flight you're on, every day? Well, then that could perhaps make you a bit jaded, cynical, and rude. Well, it doesn't mean you should be rude to passengers that you're just trying to help. I know. I get it. What did Faraday what tweet? Okay, here. Here's what David Faraday tweeted. Hard to impress upon my followers how much I hate the lying bastards at American Airlines right now. Disgusting. I'm a 3 million mile concierge key member and will be flying Delta as much as possible from now on. Oh, my God. Sick burn. By the way, uh, David Faraday, I think, has 600,000 followers. I'm a follower. So there's that. I don't think that that's going to sink American Airlines. And he didn't even at American Airlines either. These airlines now have figured out they've got people that are on social media that respond right away, not just to people who are concierge key members like Mr. Faraday, three million miles, but also just regular people who are trying to, you know, at them on social media. There's a social media person or a team at every airline that's like, okay, let's, let's get on this. Let's help this person. They generally will do that. Now... As far as what happened to Faraday, I don't know. He didn't explain. I did read all the comments, and some were supportive. Others were snarky. Others were sort of like, yeah, yeah, Delta. (laughs) They're not much better. (laughs) People ripping on United. People ripping on everybody. It's It's a tough game. It's a tough racket. I don't know what people's expectations are. You know, it's like if you fly, if you're a 3 million mile concierge key member, how many other times have you had an incident or an issue with American, David Faraday. Now, he lives in Dallas, and I think American Airlines has a stranglehold on that hub. So I don't know how easy it'll be for him to switch over to Delta. I had heard in the past Delta had a shit reputation. Maybe that's gotten a lot better in the days since. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. And I don't know, like, you know, you fly that many miles with American you, they must be doing something right, right? Or have you hated American all three million miles along the way? What was it that happened? Because there's <laughs> so many things that can go wrong in aviation. A lot of things that are way beyond the airline's control. Yes, the airlines do sleazy bullshit stuff like intentionally overbook planes and then bump people on those. Uh, they schedule connection times way too short, knowing full well that, you know, we're not going to make this connection right there. They have some really shitty people that work customer service. I get all that. But think about all of the other things beyond their control. Weather, equipment failures, the fact that the hub system of aviation in America is a complete clusterfuck and not good. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. You get on a flight, everyone's boarded, you're getting ready to go, and then... a a, a mechanic gets on the plane and finds out the microwave isn't working or something like that that really doesn't have anything to do with flying, they might ground your flight. They might say, oh, we can't take off until this microwave is working or something very, very minimal. You just don't know. And they do it because, well, they want to keep their planes from plummeting out of the sky, which we've been really good, knock on wood, at in America as of late. Now, that obviously the Southwest flight with the engine that blew up Horrible incident. But the plane landed and everyone didn't die. So that's a huge win right there. I just don't know what people's expectations are. People also complain about how much it costs to fly places. I hear this all the time. Oh, man. It costs so much to fly. And I'm like, well, what were you? They're like, it's $700 round trip. And I'm like, but you're going to California. Yeah, but still. And I go, well, what did you want to pay? And the answer is almost always like two hundred dollars and i'm like you know they're flying you all the way across the country to drive would take you five days by yourself and be a grueling ordeal what do you think is a fair ah oh, it shouldn't be that much <laughs> okay now i know that the airlines are kind of in cahoots and i know the bullshit of you know the uh fuel surcharge fee after 9-11 or no No, there's a 9-11 security fee, which is outrageous and still has not been rescinded. There is the fuel surcharge fee that occurred sometime around 2008 when the economy went to shit, and oil prices were through the roof, and that, in some cases, has not been rescinded either. They got away with charging now for bags, which they never did, and that, too, has not gone away, although Southwest does not, and that's another reason to fly them. But at the end of the day, I think you got to be a bit more flexible. I think you got to be a bit more realistic. You got to say, "Okay, this person treated me badly and this flight was fucked up." But, man, look at all the other flights. I'm a 3 million mile concierge key member. Look at all the other flights that went just fine. I also got to give a little I got to give a little uh, cheap shot to my boy Rob Carlin over at NBC Sports Washington. Rob's a good guy. He's been on the Sports Reporters before. He does a good job on TV covering the caps and whatnot. He tweeted out recently, things have gone south for Southwest Air quickly. He did at them. As we are ready to board, they announce a four-plus-hour delay, 30 minutes before we're supposed to take off. Now I'm missing a wedding, he says. This airline used to be the one that's so reliable. That's so reliable. I think you have a typo there. All right, two things. Uh, one, you're right, Southwest, in my experience, has been pretty good, although people will complain about them, too. Secondly, if you're going to miss a wedding because of a four-hour delay, you didn't plan enough lead time. If the wedding is super-duper really important, then you've got to get there uh, before, you got to get there the day before, you got to give more leeway, eight hours' time, nine hours' time. And he could probably say, and would probably say, well, I was on the air, I had to do stuff. okay. Well, what do you want them to do? There was a delay. I'm sorry you're missing a wedding. Sometimes shit happens in life. Traffic jams, accidents, airlines being late, you miss things. I don't know. I guess it's people just... It's a primal scream that they let out to try to vent their frustration over something that, let's be honest, modern air travel, for all of its pain in the asses, still pretty amazing. We are, as they say in the Southwest Airlines... Commercials free to move about the country. Ready? There you are. All, All right. right, Brian, you with us there today? Yep. Okay, okay. fantastic. Everything well, is on. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Wait Here. a second, wait a second. Still setting waiting? our levels,
0: <laughs> setting our levels, muting phones. Okay, set your phones to stun. Yeah, Brian's untangling his headphones, getting plugged in over there. Okay.
1: Yes. All right, there you go. There we go. All, all right. right. All right, we're all here. Oh, thank God we're all here. Okay, yeah. very good. All right, well, here we go again, boys. Here we go again. Here Ready? we go again. Yes. Who are you, David Coverdale? <laughs> no. Uh, here we go again. Headline, golf club apologizes for calling police on a group of black women who were playing too slowly. Ah. Oh! That is not a call to the police. That is a call to the Rangers, Steve. Ah, uh, yes. But of course, it's always more complicated than headlines seem. I don't know.
0: Was it a municipal golf course? Well, before. Don't the police,
1: don't but do the they, police ah! act
0: as Rangers on those? <laughs> Cop
1: control up all pick up good, pace. These are all good <laughs> questions, and they will be answered in due time as I unroll this story. But before I go any further, uh-huh. do you guys know that I once. Went to the police regarding a slow play incident at a golf course? No. No. Never I told do. you that story. I vaguely remember this. Okay, because I'll read it for like three years it. And I've never heard this. I'll retell yeah. it in a second. But just put that in your back pocket as I talk okay. about this story. Grandview Golf Club in York, Pennsylvania. Apologized after it called police on a group of black women after the co owner and his father said the five sum was playing too slowly and refused to leave the course. Now I'm an experienced investigator and I sense a clue already. The five, five sum.
0: Yeah, that jumped off the page at it me.
1: It sure did, didn't five it? Five sum. What do you what do you five some? No, four. Three now there parts, are there are some walking. courses. There are some courses that permit five sums if the course is not crowded. There are some guys that like I know there was Jordan or someone else, some ex athlete, was famous for playing in fivesomes and sixsomes. I've played before but in Jordan a fivesome. Playing, but Jordan was playing private clubs. He was. Uh, this is a private club. Okay, okay. Private yeah, club yeah. as well. Okay. But anyway, so fivesomes are generally frowned upon because the more, in theory, if all five in your fivesome are simultaneously getting ready to hit, you can play fast. But usually it's okay, it's your turn now. And even more than just, okay, it's your turn, Bob, you know having played golf, there's a lot of time spent, wait, who's going? Whose turn is it? Who's away? Right? That Well, not really, if, if you, you,
0: you take care of that before. Well, you, you ever play hit the ready first golf. golf.
1: You play ready golf, but there's still up up and that hit. There's still that dance though, around the green. Pins oh. in, pins out. Who's going? Where are you at? Are you going to chip up? Because you don't want to be going when somebody else is going, right? You don't want to be chipping or putting at the same time. So that's where a lot of the the time gets eaten up. The women who are all members at the club, wait a minute, that's another clue right there. So they're members. So they are welcomed by the club as members. But they say that they were discriminated against because they were kicked off for playing too slow. That's odd. So the course is racist, Brian, but they still like having some black members to then fuck with them like, you're playing too slow. Get off. I don't get it. So they were told they were not keeping pace of play on just the second hole, which to the casual layperson reading this story would be like, well, that's outrageous. That's like the two minutes at Starbucks that the two black guys were kicked out. But anyone who plays golf knows you got to nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud on slow play. Am I right, Bob? Yes. Yes.
0: I agree. It does. It sounds bad. Even if bad, it's, but it you know sounds by bad, by the second if, hole,
1: if by the second hole, you're two holes behind, yeah, the whole course can be backing up like a clogged shitter behind a group. Yeah. The woman Mayanika Ojo, uh, or she said, okay, so uh, the uh, they claim they are keeping pace with the group ahead of them. Uh, that's what everyone says on the golf course. We're keeping pace with the group ahead. They're like, oh yeah. Well, where are they? Well, they're just on the next hole. Well, actually, they're just walking off the green of the par five in front of you, and they're on the tee of the next the hole after that. In other <laughs> right. words, you're out of position. Okay, You're about I- two holes behind. Right. Uh, the, uh, they said they talked to the golf pro at the course after they were confronted, and the women claimed the golf pro said they were fine. Well, you know why the golf pro said they were fine? You don't fucking want to get into it. Do you think the golf pro is going to stick his nose in there and go, actually, you were 16 minutes out of pace, and therefore... No, the golf pro is always going to say, shit, when can I get to happy hour at Chili's? (laughs) Like, I'm not... The golf pro doesn't give a fuck, Brian. He's like, I just want out of here. I don't want in this. And seeing that it's a group of five black women, do you think that golf pro is going to go, I'm in here? Okay, let's get this solved. No, he's going to side with them. You are fine. Said one of the women... I felt like we were discriminated against. It was a Mm -hmm. horrific experience.
0: They're members of this club as well, you said, right? They've joined, they've paid their dues. They're not new to this place. Yes.
1: Hmm.
0: That's the part. Brian,
1: does that qualify as a horrific experience being told you have to leave (laughs) because you're playing too slow? Is that true horror? That's uh, climbing up in the first world problem area. <laughs> a horrific experience. Oh, horrific, uh, quite, yeah. After finishing it, the first it. half of their round, three members of the group of five decided to leave because they were, quote, so shaken up by the incident. Okay. The two who stayed Have def- they never
0: seen anyone uh, play slow, or did they ever complain about someone in front of them playing slowly? Or do you have to run out with a whole logbook of instances where. People were asked to uh, either
1: good question. move things
0: along or leave the course and have dates and times. And Boy, this could take years to investigate time. the whole right. thing. Right, you have to have a whole
1: book to the, run out there before you throw someone off the course. The two women who stayed to finish the round were approached by the owner or co-owner and his son Jordan and several other white male employees, says the story in Yahoo Sports. Way to include the white there. They told him that they had five minutes to leave the club and that the police had been called. The reasoning, they said, was that they had taken too long of a break at the turn, in addition to being very slow on the front nine. Police arrived, conducted interviews with all parties, and left without charging anyone, saying the issue did not warrant any charges. So, thank God that, you know, at least the police had some sense. I think the police should have charged whoever called the cops. With (laughs) false calling of police. Right, wasting of our time. Although, in fairness to the club owners, let's say things are getting heated between the owners and a group of five black women. Don't you want a neutral third party to then come in and say, okay, hold on a second. Nobody's saying this. Nobody's doing that. It's a bad use of the York County, Pennsylvania Police Department. But it's still, I understand where they might say, hey, we want someone to come in here for our protection as a club to say we're just trying to
0: police the pace of play. Have any of these uh, members uh, canceled their membership at this particular course? As of now, not yet. But they were asked to leave the... The, the, the premises, right? Yeah, the second the cops were called and I was told to leave and all of that, I canceled my membership. I want my money back. I want it now. Right. Write me a check. Write, go to the till, pull my cash out, give it to me. Right. I'm done here.
1: Uh, the wife of the co-owner reached out to the women and said, we sincerely apologize. Uh, we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable here at Grandview. That's not our intention anyway. Uh, We want all our members to feel valued and that they can come out here and have a great time, play golf, and enjoy the experience. The five women are part of a group in the area known as the Sisters in the Fairway, a group of very experienced golfers who play all over the country. Probably not as fives, though. Uh, After they were confronted on the second hole, the women said they skipped the third hole to avoid any other issues. Well, how could you skip the third hole if you were keeping up with the pace of the group in front of you? That means there is an entire hole open to skip. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, the, the ranger or the co-owner said, you're going too slow. I'll give you a refund. As if, writes, as if, says one of the members, as if he didn't want us as members. Mm. I said, do you realize we're the only black women on this course and you're only coming up to us? We paid. We want to play. He walked off in a huff. I can tell you right now, every golfer who has ever been confronted with playing slow, white, black, green, yellow, blue, whatever color, all of them have invoked the whole, I paid for this round. I'm going to take my time if I want to. Every single one of them. They believe that that is their right, Brian, that they have paid, therefore I am special, and my pace of play, be it seven and a half hours, Trump's everyone else's right to play in a reasonable amount of time.
0: But don't you get uncomfortable when you have a guy in your group who is a slow golfer? Like everybody else knows the pace oh, guys yeah. you play with, but then there's somebody else who takes way too long to set up. Guy who's got to think about it, got to get out all this stuff, and ta- you know he's taking too long. And you can see the gap getting bigger and bigger and bigger between you and the group in front of you. And here comes the ranger, and you're thinking to yourself, I know well, what he's going to say. Automatic when you have five. Well, that's I mean, the that's thing. One now more
1: person. Now, here's what I think going backwards to parts of the story that are not reported. I bet the only reason they were allowed to play as five was because they were black. Because the club is probably saying to themselves, you there, boys? Good. All right. All right, That's why what? we do dual recordings. Okay. All right. The last I think, thing. The, the, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I think that the only reason they were allowed to play as a 5 is because they were black. Because the club was like, oh, fuck. We don't want to drop the hammer and say the rule is four only and have these women go to the press and go, see, we're being discriminated against. I'm almost convinced of it. That initial appeasement, first of all, no fucking fivesomes. That's number one. (laughs) Number two, we're going to take pace of play seriously and we're going to have a, a ranger at the end of nine holes and a ranger at the end of 18 recording how long it takes everyone to play. Everyone.
0: Well that's uh you know, in order to show discrimination, you've gotta show that you're treated differently than than everyone, right? Do they keep all those kinds of records to right. make that possible?
1: Now it doesn't it doesn't mean necessarily that Grandview Golf Club in York, Pennsylvania is not a absolute beehive of horrible, disgusting, racist, cracker ass whiteies. It might be <laughs> It might be. I don't know. I've never I, been to the club. The owner and the say, co-owner right. and his son may be the biggest assholes ever. And these five traveling sisters might be the sweetest, best golfers you've ever seen who play in three hours and 58 minutes on the regular. Or I they mean. may be lovely women and they just play slow. You right. Know? I mean, Which it, makes it them... Be. There are
0: several combinations here that right. you could throw in the soup. Right. They may be lovely women
1: who play slow, which makes them the devil incarnate! Because slow play uh, yeah, is a poison. If I'm, if I'm behind them, after a couple of holes,
0: I'm like, come on, ladies. Or, or Steve, there's always this. I go, do you guys mind if we play through?
1: <laughs> but
0: now you're going to have to let everybody play through because they're
1: playing that slow. They're a five-some. Yeah. Yeah. Now everybody plays by them. This is one of the most vexing things in golf, which brings me to the story that Bob remembers vaguely, Brian, you forget. I'm going to remind people. It's the time that I actually went to a police department precinct to file a report about a slow play kerfuffle I had at a golf course. <laughs> Buffalo Grove, Illinois, circa 1993. ninety No, 95. Let's call it 95. I'm playing at some course. At Did I say Buffalo Grove golf course? It was not yes. Buffalo Grove. Yes, yes. Okay, it was. I was living in Buffalo Grove. It was some course up the road. I'd have to look it up. And I go there on a Saturday and I play the front nine and it is torturously slow. It is a front nine that takes almost three hours. So wow! Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're talking a six hour round. Were, I, were, was the turn by the
0: clubhouse? Yeah. Because at that point, I'm thinking I'm just. I'm not going to play another nine this slow. What would you do, Bob? I would. Either see if I could get out in front of them. Uh, I would say something to somebody in the clubhouse, like "You got to get these guys to pick up the
1: pace," or I go, "I'm out of here." Okay, There's you said something to someone in the clubhouse. Yeah, that's what you would okay. do. That's what I did. Okay, I stomped it. I clomped into the clubhouse. An angry young Steve Zabin. <laughs> head full of hair, eyes full of venom. <laughs> you didn't have hair. Did yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I clump in a bag in a drawer
0: somewhere. (laughs) I didn't collect
1: it strand by strand. (laughs) I I clump into the clubhouse and I start lighting up the guy behind the desk, saying, "This is outrageous. This is a joke." I demand a refund. You need to police your golf course better. And the guy was like, "Yes." He's like, "Sir, all I can do is give you a rain check. That's the best I can do. That's the course policy." And I was like, "Not good enough." I said, "I want my money back." And he wouldn't budge. And I was giving it to him. Pretty good. That was when some burly dude walks into the fray from elsewhere in the pro shop and announces that he is a part-time ranger at this course and that I am being unreasonable given that it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon and this is what happens at public golf courses on Saturday afternoons. The play is sometimes slow. Okay. I'm pissed now. I turn to this guy and I decide I'm going to get in his face and I'm going to poke him in the chest with my little poker finger, my finger. And I go, I didn't ask for (laughs) your input. This is between me and the, and before my sentence was over, he had grabbed my index finger in a death grip and began to bend it backwards. Hey, I need, that's my finger. Ah, hey. I need put you <laughs> now you're thinking maybe this poking this dude in the chest wasn't my best idea, right? And so now he's got me, and I guess, thankfully, luckily, he didn't break my finger. Although I would have definitely pressed charges, but I, I quickly bitched down because, well, he had okay. my finger in a death grip. <laughs> <laughs> A little humbling, isn't it? I then it it is. <laughs> oh, shit. I then I then yeah, ah, shit. Ah,
0: this shit. blew up in my face. <laughs> I was like Fredo, stomping out to my car. Now going, you're thinking. Now you're thinking yourself. What would Steven Seagal do right now? <laughs> He's got my finger. This is
1: where I'm glad I didn't have a gun in my car. So
0: you'd take your other finger and dig his brains out through his ears. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that move. If
1: you were Steven Seagal, yeah. How about the time in uh, Casino where uh, early on? At a bar, the guy with the pen—the pen, the shit pen—yeah, yeah, he's just your pen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Pesci winds
0: up stabbing him right in the throat. Doesn't kill him, yeah. as far as we know, but had him
1: crying. Look at him crying I... like a little girl down there now. I gotta believe he was dead, man. He really went after him. He stabbed him in the neck a bunch of times. <laughs> he did a lot so, of times. So yeah, so I, I bitch out and I, I I think I stomped off the course, whatever. And I went home. I was pretty shaken up by it. And I go go back home to my apartment and. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting more and more pissed as I'm sitting there. And I said, fuck it. I'm going to go to the local police department and I'm going to file a report. Because that was technically assault. Although, I guess he could have charged me with assault, Brian. Because that's any unwanted touching. You touched touching, him first. Any unwanted you touching. Him with your finger. Right? It, yeah, touching it, is assault. The lowest it, level of misdemeanor assault. Any unwanted touching. And I did touch him in the chest. I poked yeah. him once. You stay the fuck out of this, I think is what I told him verbatim. And that's when he grabbed my finger. And so because. <laughs> ah, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because uh. because I uh, <laughs> because I fu- so because he said I'm a part time ranger. I'm like he identified
0: himself as an authority figure.
1: And right, that's and, where and an employee. Uh, that's where I said, and I'm sure at some point driving to the police station, I thought in my delusions of grandeur, I'm gonna own this fucking golf course, lock, <laughs> stock, and barrel. I got him now. <laughs> <Coo-coo."> <laughs> I'm sure right. that's what I was thinking, right? Sure. Yeah. When in reality, no, nothing of the sort. So, but I did. So I was like, okay, so this guy is a part time ranger. So in other words, sort of a quasi employee of the club had assaulted me in the clubhouse because I was complaining about the pace of play. And so I uh I filed a police report and then I believe the police department brokered a phone call between me and the head pro who was not in the clubhouse at the time. And I think he agreed to give me, you know, a couple of free rounds and to let it all go away. And like But did you say but not if that gorilla, that <laughs> finger-twisting <laughs> that, gorilla that, is on the premises. Right. No, I didn't. I wish I had done that because he said, you know, uh, the, the, the guy that you got into it with is very sorry. He lost his temper as well, and he has apologized and has promised that that won't happen again and blah, blah, blah. And so me, I was like fucking Kramer caving with two rounds of free golf. You settled like, for
0: free coffee? I did.
1: I basically settled for free coffee. <laughs> I drove to the Who police told you to station. Settle? <laughs>
0: Who
1: told you to settle for coffee? I drove to the police station thinking, okay, I'm fucking going to own this course too. All right, two free rounds. Okay. And I think it was maybe two free foursomes. So there was that. But this is what happens on the golf course. People get nutty. I once got in, almost got into a fist fight over hitting into a group on an adjacent fairway at a municipal course in Santa Barbara, California. We had a murder out here. Yeah. Where?
0: uh, New when New 15 Berlin, years New ago. Berlin. It was a while. It's getting further and further back, but there were two. It's the one off of, uh, 124th, somebody, right? some, some groups out, out, uh, golfing, they were walking or whatever. They got into some sort of altercation. One guy kicked another in the chest and killed him.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah. Boom. What in an all out Donnybrook chest kick. I got into, mm. I got into it one time where we were hitting off a tee. You can't see the hole, you know, and one of the guys in our foursome crushes it and, drives the green it rolls up on the green so we come up and we go you know a lot of times what when you can't see that just a cormis is like whoa hell of a drive who hit that you know the guys up you know the guy right hit into because like
1: when a ball trickles up onto a green it's in no danger bob right of hurting it might surprise anybody. you a little yeah right it might surprise you it is a slight bit of etiquette breach but like you said at the core of it, you should go. Hey, fucking great shot! What yeah, a who hit what that? A, what, that a, what a what a what a what a Bunion-esque wallop yeah. that and was! Then, My God, it turns, it turns well out done.
0: it's the smallest guy in our group who did it. It's like, oh yeah, uh, and these guys were not impressed. They were like, they were bitching the whole time, and and we're all going, hey, sorry about that, sorry about that. I'm kind of surprised we even have to say that because it's golf and we're men, you know. <laughs> right? And we're going, okay, sorry. And the guy goes, not good enough. And I said. Well, do you want money? I'll give you money. Would money make it better? Because that's all I got now. Unless you have something else, (laughs) that's all I have. Oh, that was an apology. Do you want money? (laughs) Yeah. He goes, not good enough. Do you want money? (laughs) How about uh, about about change of attitude? How about money? How about not giving me your your face? Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking I even of, got my wallet out to be more oh, of a horse's wow. ass. Yeah. Do you want money? I think you guys need <laughs> to read Sun Tzu's Art of War before you golf again. There is a viral. It happens
1: r- so rarely that it's kind of surprising when it does. All right. How about this headline Drunken argument on Australian golf course leads to near fatal stabbing incident. This happened just well, a week alcohol ago. Was inter-
0: alcohol was introduced here. That's okay. So things have
1: changed a little bit. Uh, Simon Mudd was playing around with Matthew McKay. During a drunken round of golf recently at Broadford Golf Course in Australia. I think we should we need to stop at Australia. Isn't anything possible in Australia? Anything is possible when you have people interacting, Steve. But even more, don't you think <laughs> Aussies... Just, it
0: happens to be on a golf course and...
1: Okay, don't yeah. you think that Australians, though, are even more rambunctious and wild than your average... American civilian that crocodile Dundee was. I don't know. You don't think have you have you
0: lived in America? I don't know. The guys from Air Supply didn't seem like they were that out of <laughs> there's, control. There's <laughs> what? There's 250 million more people here than are in Australia. Rick
1: Springfield, the, Olivia Newton-John, the trio. People. The trio played a few holes, but McKay appeared intoxicated and was damaging the greens, scratching one with a flag and stomping golf balls into another. His friends. Simon Mudd and Sean Peterson chastised him for his antics, telling him to stop. McKay then stormed off to his car, returned with a fold-out Smith & Wesson knife, and attacked his mates. He first... The
0: guy's in his group. These are his buddies. Yes! Not, first... not another foursome that rolled up and said, Hey, mate! <laughs>
1: I'll give these. <laughs>
0: what for. There he we go. To...
1: That's what I'm looking for. The Aussie accent. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. I'll take them a will Filet you like a crocodile steak. What? what? Well, here. He one swung thing's... the weapon at Mr. Peterson before he turned to Mr. Mudd and drove the blade into his left thigh, hitting a large artery with blood gushing from the deep wound. McKay received nearly two years in jail for the incident and will not be eligible for parole in 10 two months. Mud nearly Boy. died, had to be yeah. airlifted to a hospital. That's it.
0: The uh, femoral artery, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, yeah. You know, if, if my buddy comes back with a knife and starts swinging it, I'm running as fast as I can <laughs> down the fairway <laughs> like some bitch and zigzagging along the way, Bob, yeah. for yeah. evasive maneuvers. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd get nice. into the lake. I would jump in the lake, and I would swim if I had to. <laughs> could be crocs not... in that, mate. Right. I don't need to take on my crazed buddy with a fucking knife. <laughs> who do you golf with? Of all
0: the people you've golfed with more than once, who do you think of all those people would be? Of all the not that they were that likely, but who do you think could have pulled a knife on you in your foursome?
1: Oh, in my lifetime, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. I, there's There have been a few guys I was like, okay, keep an eye on this guy. A little You've weird. you us plenty of stories of bad golf manners, especially as it relates to
0: your, your golf safari. What Where do you mean? It? To North Carolina, your uh, oh, early outing? The golf
1: safari, yes. The one that you organize and yeah. people leak out on you all the time? We're, we're, norm, we're, we're normally very well behaved that trip. I mean, they, 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 I don't put up with the, any serious misbehavior. You're a one and dunner. And those that stick around know that they could be one and done themselves if they get out of line. How about this? Getting, you know, incidents. Stab the host and see if you get to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this is with golf. This is crazy. I remember this. 1994. Headline. John Daly gets in a scuffle involving spectator in parking lot. The father of another golfer at the PGA Tours uh, Firestone Country Club World Series of Golf Got into a scuffle after Daly shot 83 in the final round, but drove the green uh, into the group ahead of him at the Firestone Country Club North course. The father's son, Jeffrey Roth, was in the twosome ahead of Daly, and after Papa Roth confronted Daly for the breach of etiquette, the two fell to the ground and wrestled (laughs) briefly before being separated by the crowd. So in other words, Bob, even at the PGA tour level, people get completely tilted yeah. and, and bat shit crazy over, Hey man, uh-huh. you hit, in, hit into my group.
0: Yeah. Now you've just put yourself into a group with John Daly, Steve-O.
1: I know. Well, <laughs> thankfully I'm i I'm alive to tell about it, but, uh, you know, as far as the slow play goes, you know, I don't know what happened with these women at this golf course. It could be a bad case. It could be that they're trying to be marginalized, uh, you know, maybe quasi racist, but at the end of the day, your time is your time. You gotta play I guess a, what golf we're course here. In a
0: certain amount of time. I guess what we're saying here is, is hey, the big thing of the golf season, let's everyone lighten the fuck up. We haven't even gotten to <laughs> June Damn, yet.
1: People, <laughs> Come on, man, why do you get so far to Is it because the long <laughs> winter everywhere? I guess. You is it because the frustration be of golf is already so high? This stupid damn ball and oh, this stupid hole. I think people, that people carry all already... kinds of baggage.
0: I think okay. people carry all kinds of personal baggage onto the golf course with them, Steve. Who knows what's eating at somebody? It could be your bad relationship. It could be work. It could be your kids. It could be your parents. It could go back to your childhood. You don't know. They're yeah. all strangers. Yeah. Let's not find out. Let's uh, let's just be polite out there. And when does your golf league start, Bob? It starts uh, one week, week from, from today. today. Week from today. And are you yeah. ready? Oh, I will be.
1: I can't wait. I'm very excited. How has your off-season conditioning program gone? I am ready. Your yoga, your hot Pilates, your light weight lifting. Well, of course, heavy weight lifting, you and the bum fighters. Check. Have you been practicing your putting indoors all winter? (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like a my, no.
0: My putter has been in the storage area above the garage with all my clubs all winter. But I have talked to Gitter about it, so there. Okay, yeah, good. I have been practicing. Good.
1: And Brian, how? Yeah. What is? <laughs> I have a tank of insecticide <laughs> hanging on my golf clubs. <laughs> so Pretty what you're sure. saying, Brian, is <laughs> you anticipate <laughs> this being the 26th consecutive season in which you are not going to play golf? Well, this now summer. that's not true. I haven't not Ten? golfed for 26 years. Ten. What is your streak? Your streak of not hitting a shot at your annual Bob and Brian Open? How many years? At least 10, right, Bob? At least. I would say say we've been at. uh 10. I would
0: say 10. We've been out of Grand Geneva now. So the last shot balls, you hit man. in Anger yeah. was over at the old place. No, Silver I've Spring? you have hit a ball
1: Geneva. at Grand Geneva. So within the last 10 okay. years, you've hit a ball. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're, right, you're ready to go. You're as ready as you I know am what? for league. You know what, Brian? <laughs> technically not retired. You're technically not retired.
0: <laughs> no, he still has a golf. You, you have, be, you have <laughs> balls in bag? the bag, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, he's a golfer. Like I said, I he's as ready to go as I am.
1: No, maybe it's weed killer. <laughs> it's not insecticide. <laughs> that's insect. Well, that's, that's a well, side. It's weed killer. It's a herbicide. Herbicide. It's a yeah. side. It's a, you want to stay away from the sides. Golficide is what we've bugs. got. They kill weeds. Yeah. Glyphosate, <laughs> where you get so enraged, you murder somebody. There you go. All right, boys. Thanks for your extra time this week. Uh, to hell with you guys. I'll see you next week. Are you
0: ready? Yeah. All
1: right. We'll end with this today. By 2020, China plans to give all of its 1.4 billion citizens a personal score based on how they behave. Let me run that by you again because you're probably saying, what? By 2020, China, the government, plans to give all 1.4 billion citizens a personal score based on how they behave. Some Some of their citizens with low scores are already being punished if they want to travel nearly 11 million chinese can no longer fly and 4 million chinese are banned from trains wow wow that is dystopian as fuck are you kidding me wow how do they base it on behavior what are the what are the metrics on that how would you perhaps gently complain to the chinese authorities you know, I'm not as bad of a person as your behavior score has me listed as. I didn't really spit on the sidewalk, which you swear that your cameras caught me doing. And if they're going to give it to all 1.4 billion citizens, you know, how often do you reevaluate? Because a six-year-old is going to have a pretty bad score behavior-wise, but by the time they're 12, I'd imagine that improves greatly. It is amazing because I I do remember how uh, New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman, who's written any number of books, is considered widely successful, sometimes has the dumbest ideas you've ever heard of. Like, for example, back in 2010, he was talking about how much he fantasized about America just for a day being China. Here's what he said on one of the talk shows on the weekend in 2010. I mean, just, just one day. I have fantasized, don't get me wrong, I just, I would love to be China for a day. I mean, where we could actually, you know, authorize the right solutions. And I do think there is a sense of that on everything from the economy to the environment. I don't want to be China for a second, okay? I want my democracy to work with the same authority, focus, and stick-to-itiveness. But right now, says Thomas Friedman, we have a system that can only produce suboptimal solutions. That was Thomas Friedman on his China Envy back in 2010. Well, my former college newspaper editor, Matt Welch, who now writes for Reason.com, he's a a pretty big thinker in the uh, conservative world or libertarian world. I really should hook up with him, but Matt, props out to you if anyone hears that. Here's this. Matt Welch, who used to be the editor of the Daily Nexus newspaper, uh, he wrote a great response to that back in 2010 saying, yeah, if we're going to be China, I wonder which politically restive province Mr. Friedman would support removing internet access privileges to for 10 months, because apparently that happened in China. Which bloggers will be imprisoned for reporting on gang rape or contradicting officials' accounts of earthquake damage? Hyperlink, hyperlink to the stories. Will Friedman's propaganda department hyperlink? Be issuing directives expressly criminalizing any domestic reporting on school violence or the Shanghai Expo or criticism by international journalists with marching orders to quote not ask national leaders questions during their visits to Shanghai. And on and on. You get to the you get the picture. Writes Matt, you don't get the stick itiveness of Friedman's authoritarian one-party fantasia without the violent freedom-depriving assault on those. Especially not only activists and bloggers and journalists, but those who are not seen, who are seen as threats to the regime. Dreaming about removing checks and balances to impose impose a super genius policy is not the work of a geopolitical thinker, but it's the tantrum of an impatient sloganeer. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing about China. It doesn't work without the threat of eternal imprisonment, torture, and murder. But hey. Someday, maybe we'll have a personal score and we can brag about it. A government issued personal score. Well, I'm an 86. You're an 86? It's like, I wonder what Scott Lynn's personal score would be. I wonder what Solly's personal score would be. Uh, What would it be based on? Oh, man. The mind does spin. That'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends and tweet Meek Mill while you're at it. Let them know we're doing this. Leave a positive review. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And as Will Rogers once said, everything is funny as long as it's happening to somebody else. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.